Donuts with Dudes, episode two. May 15th, baby. So we've all heard of a four-day work week, but now we got a four-day school week? What? You gotta be kidding me, right? Second topic of the day, can a book that was written over 100 years ago be predicting the presidency right now? Maybe like a teenage time traveler, right? On a third topic, Anthony and I are going to discuss our top three NFL teams that came out the best in this year's NFL draft. But before we do that, hit him with that great intro music. Let's get it. Welcome to Donuts with Dudes, where we dive into the things that matter most to men, like sports, business, and mental conditioning. But we don't stop there. We also incorporate health topics, because being a well-rounded dude means taking care of yourself. We're your hosts, Anthony and Cameron, and we're excited to bring you this show, where we discuss hot topics and interview experts in their field. Real dudes, just like you. So sit back, grab a donut and maybe some coffee, and join us in the bakery. So we're, we're back in the lab today, whipping over some hot topics. We think we got some pretty good stuff for you today. We also got a really good interview for you guys. Uh, some authors for Village Wisdom. Yeah. Got a new book coming out, Village Wisdom. I think you guys are going to like it, man. Great uh, great concept. So Yeah. It aligns really well with, with what we're doing here in our podcast. And these six guys, group of six guys, wrote a book. And uh, we'll get to that later in the show. But we want to jump into some hot topics that are happening this week. First off, I saw something actually this morning, Anthony, talking about a four-day school week for kids. Man, four days. What are they doing? How many uh, hours per day are they trying to fit in there, they say? So what it looks like is over the past couple of years, there's been an accumulation of over 800 schools across America that have adopted this school week. On top of that, so there's some in Houston, Kansas City, Phoenix, along with other cities, big cities around our nation. And um, the proposal would be that the, the day would be a little bit longer, but obviously you wouldn't have Friday as a day of school or day of attendance, I should say. And, man, I think that as parents, you and I are both fathers, there's already a struggle when it comes to managing your career and trying to work in your nine-to-five work week. And some of us have flexi- more flexible schedules, and I'm sure we've all created a, a schedule for that works for our families. But to have to throw in a day... We're okay. Well, now I've got to work out childcare, right? That's going to be more expensive, right? Because you got to find someone that's going to watch your kid on Fridays. I don't know. I just, to me, I get this whole push that we're trying to work on a better life, work life balance. I know that there's been some proposals and there's been some companies that have, have adopted this four day work week, but. In my opinion, it's going to have to align both ways for companies to adopt this and school districts to adopt this, right? I mean, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, part of that is it, it it opens up a can of worms in a different area, right? Like what you were just saying. I mean, imagine, you know, on those uh, the staff development days or whatever holiday they just happen to give those kids off. Well, then now you got to figure out how you're going to get you know, your child taking care of on those days off and manage work and do all that. And it's just feel like it poses another problem unless you give more flexible PTO days. Um, but still, that doesn't solve the problem. That doesn't solve the problem at all. Yeah. Kind of weird. Um, I, I mean, I guess you could see that the intentions behind it would be good. Maybe they were hoping for better attention from students where you have more breaks and, and things like that. But, um, and believe me, I'm all for a four day week period, but I think a lot of things have to go in place as far as a lot of companies are going to have to adopt a four day work week. Yeah. 
prior to we go into this four-day school week, right? I don't ever, I don't see it happening, man, because that's just, you know, this country is built on, you know, business, bro. It's just a corporation, man. That's really what it is. So it's all, it's all based on production and, like, work hours. So there's too many industries, I think, that just need you there more than four days a week. Yeah, healthcare. Healthcare, <laughs> they won't get four days a week. I'm going to have a heart attack on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So, I don't know. It, it's something down the pike. Something our listeners, guys, we'd love to hear your opinions on that. We're going to put a link in the show for you guys to give your opinion on this four-day work, or excuse me, four-day school week. And what are your opinions on it? Because um, I think it's kind of apparent what Anthony and I think, uh, being fathers to, to young children, just really poses a lot of, a lot of dynamics. Um, I'm not saying that it couldn't be worked out, but it just sounds like it's going to be expensive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? For our second story, Anthony, you kind of got a little something controversial over there that's kind of got me a little weirded out, honestly, but it kind of interesting, though. Hey, you know, man... It's just, uh, it's for entertainment purposes, I believe, man. You know, that's probably what this is all about anyways with the book. But um, I feel like uh, since we're we're going to be interviewing two authors today, we might as well go ahead and cover a book that's kind of interesting. And um, if you're if you're new to, or if you're into... A good conspiracy theory, I guess? I wouldn't even... Is it a theory? Is it even, I mean... Maybe a conspiracy, just right. flat out. Minus the theory. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, um, just uh, the book's called 1900, The Last President. Um, oh, man, what, what year was that? Yeah, so it was, it was published in 1900 by a man called Ingersoll Lockwood. So the book is based on the protagonist in the book. is His name is Baron Trump, and he's a 13-year-old son of a president-elect. He lives on Grand Fifth Avenue, a mansion on Grand Fifth Avenue. And this is so it's based in New York, right? And his mentor is named Don. So if you've been living under a rock for the past, I don't know, six, seven years, recently just had a president named Donald Trump, who was up for re-election here next year. He's also got a son that's around the age of 13 right now named Baron. So there's a lot of parallels. And mind you, again, and just kind of bringing this back, this book was published 123 years ago. Right. Man. Some other really cool things that I, that I like about this, too, is like, uh, I don't know if you, if you caught on to this, but uh, you said it was on, uh, what's the address there, bro? Uh, so Grand Fifth Avenue. Grand Fifth Avenue. If, if you look up that address right now, look up what's on that address right now. Uh, I, I really want you to do that. So I got Saks Fifth Avenue on there. So the Empire State Building is on. But, but isn't there an exact address, like 300 North? Oh, here we go. So these are, so here's a list of all of, I guess, everything that's on Fifth Avenue. Got the Empire State Building. Um, oh, yeah. so this is all. I went to visit fifthavenue.com and it's all listed by in alphabetical order. So I scroll down to the T's and guess what? Right. Trump Tower. Right. <laughs> coincidence, man. You know, there's no thing, there's no such thing as coincidences, or at least you know that I really believe that um, everything happens for a reason. There's really not any just random chances of anything happening. So uh, what do you call this, man? I don't know. So we, we were watching the video just a second ago about is either Donald Trump's great-grandfather or grandfather that, um, and, and I don't have any validity to this, though, so this may be anecdotal. Some of these, I know some videos can kind of go off wire here, but it seemed really intriguing, but Donald Trump's, one of his ancestors, whether it be his grandfather or great-grandfather, worked for the FBI and was responsible for taking down or 
kind of uh, just de devalidifying Nikola Tesla and all of his inventions. I think if you kind of know some of the backstory behind Nikola Tesla, it's kind of controversial for wanting to create free energy for people. It had a lot of different inventions that were uh, back in the early 1900s, late 1800s. So the FBI came in and raided Nikola Tesla's house and, and his workshop and, and basically took some of his inventions. And I don't know that we have all of his inventions all documented to this day. And I'm sure some of that, it could be held secret to this day. And one of, so this guy on social media was saying, you know, does, does the Trump family have access to some technology that the FBI raided and took that could potentially be, I don't know, time travel? Right, man. Right. So, so yeah, so they confiscate, you know, I guess Tesla uh, passes away, send his dad or send uh, Trump's uncle, grandpa, whoever that is. They send him in, go confiscate notes. I don't know, laboratory, they really didn't go in all that, but I'm sure, I'm not even sure of anything these days. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, I think some of the common sense stuff would tell you, but, you know, common sense isn't common anymore either, so there's that. Um, and I guess this is why they call that the little conspiracy, you know. I, I'm going to encourage you dudes, just Google this, look into this book, The Last President by... Uh, Ingersoll Lockwood. Um, you don't have to read it for yourself, but I mean, just Google it. And um, they're selling copies of this all, all over the place. I see you right now on Amazon. Um, they're all kinds of different other vendors, but it is quite coincidental in the way that this is shaping up. Um, look in the look in the show notes, guys. Um, we want to know your opinion on this. Is this a is this a conspiracy? Is is Donald Trump a time traveler? Is the whole family just got access to types of technology that I don't know? We want to we want to hear your opinion. You can hit us up on social media at Donuts with Dudes on any any platform, pretty much. And you can also um, go into our show notes and and let us know what you're thinking. And for our third and final story for this week. We're a couple of weeks behind, Anthony, but I still want to kind of dive into the NFL draft this year. Sure, man. We're you know a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks post draft. I think it's a it's safe to go ahead and talk about the picks and what we really think about them. You know. Yeah, we've had a little time to analyze the picks and and so what Anthony and I did, we kind of developed our top three. Like what who what teams came out of this on top? And I think in our opinion, I think the Eagles come out number one on this. And as a diehard Cowboy fan, it pains me to say that, but I think that we can add to a little bit more validity to our pick here by picking our nemesis here right. in Philadelphia. But, I mean, look at the first round. They come out with, with two players from Georgia, and they're both on the defensive line. We yeah. both know that def their defensive line last year was nasty. Oh, yeah. They were, uh, man, they were, you know, they wreaked havoc back there in the backfield. So now you think if you got two guys coming from Georgia, right? Uh-huh. You got two guys coming from Georgia. Jalen Carter, Carter and Nolan Smith. And then that's not that's not even to think about their third pick, which came from Bama. Freshman. Tyler Steen. Tyler Steen. So you got three up front guys on the defense. Tyler, well, Tyler Steen is a... Uh, Oh, uh, offensive tackle. Oh. But still, you, you, you're you talking about the line of scrimmage here. And um, and football is a game of inches, and that's one at the line of scrimmage, right? And so, I mean, I think that they made some big strides. And obviously, they, they've got a, a, another pick. It was their last pick in the draft. Uh, a guy named Moro Ajomo. He's a defensive tackle, too, as well, from, from UT, uh, University of Texas. And so... I mean, I think that they came strategized really well that we want to we want to win the line of scrimmage here. And I think they were doing a good job of that. But now they've got some rotation. Um, they're bringing in four out of their seven picks from, from the SEC. So, you know, you already got Jalen Hurts in the backfield. 
bunch of dynamic players, playmakers on the team, and you're adding these people, man, that's big time. Yeah, man. I mean, the NFC East, man, you know, last year they were supposed to, we were supposed to have a down season, and then I think everybody had a chance of winning, getting in the playoffs, right? Remember, if you remember that, the playoff hunt? Yes. Um, even the West. Well, for the East. Oh, you're talking, and I'm sorry. Oh, I'm going to the SEC here. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So for, you know, out of the R, Dallas Cowboy uh, division, oops, sorry. I got Dallas Cowboy division, four of those teams were all in the playoff hunt. And two of them had losing records, too, I believe, seven and nine or something crazy like that. So, hey, man, Cowboys, Eagles, watch out for those guys next year. Powerhouses. All right, so that was our number one. Number two, we got as the Indianapolis Colts. Right, they they came out with twelve picks in the draft, and and I'm going to be a little biased on this too here because we did get a, a, a an Aggie on there, Texas A&M Aggie Jalen Jones went on the seventh round as a 221st pick, cornerback out of Texas A&M. Whoop. But. I mean, I'm just looking at the roster here, too, as well. They picked up Anthony Richardson. That was their fourth overall pick from Florida. And quite honestly, I mean, however you make this argument, I mean, three out of the top four picks were all quarterbacks. So this this is a really stacked year for quarterbacks, right? Um, yeah, they took off a year, man. If you looked at last year's draft picks, um, there, there really wasn't uh, that many big-name guys, and there really wasn't a lot of offensive stars that that even made the draft or even first rounders so i feel like this year they kind of went back to high profile offensive guys thrown in the mix so you got like three quarterbacks yeah what in the top four yeah yeah cj stroud anthony richardson and uh bryce young right so you know I, i think for a team that was really looking for a good quarterback i think they nailed it i mean you could have gone either way with any one of those three quarterbacks um, Anthony Richardson just kind of played with what was around him this year. Obviously, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young had, I think, better playmakers around them to to help boost their status. Um, but man, I mean, if you take a look at this this lineup that they've got, these twelve players that they're bringing in. Uh, I know the Colts didn't have a great year last year, but. Goodness gracious, I think that this this freshman class is going to be a, a game changer for the Colts in the long run. Well, they definitely needed the QB. Yeah. Um, I feel like they got some good offensive guys. They, uh, well, yeah, J- uh, Jonathan Taylor uh, is running back. Um, who else did they have that was like a – that might have been just it, dude, just Jonathan Taylor. I really can't think of any guys that were standing out on yeah, without without having to go and look at their lineup, yeah, just off the top of the dome, um, yeah, there's there's not many that just really really stand out that are just going to be in the news day to day kind of thing, you know. So I think you're right. You got a lot of fresh players that going to have some evolving to do, but man, I think that they're going to, after a couple of years of development, the Colts might be somebody to watch out for. All right, and who's our who's our third pick, Anthony? Um, Dick, uh, when it be could be your H Town boys, man, uh, Houston Texans. Um, Throw your H's up. Hey, and, and you know I was telling my son, dude, we were watching the draft, and I said, you know what, I was, I thought they did really well on their picks on the first, you know, the first two picks or their move that they did, and I said, man, I like those guys. I might be a fan of the Texans going forward because of the new guys. I'm saying it's a new era, and these guys are stars, so you never know, man. I don't know, but, you know, Cowboys over Texans all day. I think, I don't think that needs it. <laughs> I don't need to say that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we're we're at eye level with that, but, you know, I, I can sit and, and, and look at this team in Houston and absolutely agree with you. C.J. Stroud, that pickup, I mean, that was an absolutely necessary pick for the Texans. I mean, the Texans have had a long time curse of having a good quarterback, and that just, you had Desha- Deshaun Watson there for a little while, and he was, 
I mean, he was great for the Texans, but I mean, no franchise quarterback. And I really could see CJ Stroud kind of fr- uh, blossoming into maybe a franchise quarterback. And then right after that, you go and pick up Will Anderson Jr., edge rusher or from Alabama. I mean, dang, that dude was a beast. Scary. I mean, just look at the guy. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Dude's a monster. And then uh, th- also another Alabama guy, their their uh, fifth round pick, Henry Toto. He was a linebacker from Alabama. That guy gave everybody hell too. Oh yeah, man. We can't forget the fourth uh, fourth pick that they had. They picked up, but nah, fourth. Yeah, fourth pick, third rounder. Um, Tank Dell. Tank Dell out of U H. U of H. Hometown boy, oh. staying in town. Man, that's gonna be a huge player for that organization. No, just got Houston roots, man. I'd like to, I'm a root for that guy. Actually, man, this, this might be the year I'm never going to go buy any Texan gear or anything like that, but I might watch the Texans if they're the ones on TV and the Cowboys. Yeah. And you know, I, I think that it's an exciting year for them. You have these new additions, the ones that we just mentioned, and, and obviously we're, we're leaving out a handful of other players that I think that are obviously going to do a great job too as well. But Watch out for these dudes, man. I mean, they this could be your sleeper team. If not next year, definitely the year uh twenty definitely twenty twenty four. So that's our top three picks. Dudes, we want to know what your top three picks are. Let us know in the chat. Let us know on social media at Donuts with Dudes. Or you can just hit us up in, in the show notes too as well and let us know. Absolutely. We'll return to the show in a little while, but now a word from our sponsors. At some point in our adult lives, we may have to turn our attention to the needs and safety of our parents and grandparents as they age. They've done so much for us, and it's our turn to make sure they have the best quality of life. I founded HomeSpark because seniors deserve to have the very best care available, so they can age with dignity and remain independent longer. Our caregivers provide wellness checks, companionship, transportation, meal preparation, and more of what you think is important. To learn more about our personalized care plan, visit us at HomesparkCare.com. HomeSpark. We care for people. Dudes, we got some special guests with us today. We got two of the six authors for Village Wisdom, new book that's coming out here pretty soon. Um, so today with us, we've got Javi Contreras and John Christensen. And um, before we hop into our interview today, I just kind of want to give a little bit of a background on who these two dudes are. So Javi Contreras is a 36-year-old, 36 years young, He's been married for almost 15 years to his beautiful wife, Danny. They have two wonderful children, Kayla and Jordan. Kayla is a cheerleader for her middle school, and Jordan is an all-around athlete with baseball being a primary sport. He has many hobbies such as tennis, golf, and poker. He loves to watch sports. Hear, here on that. He cheers for the Houston Astros and Dallas Cowboys. I love that right there. And his downtime... He loves to play chess matches with Danny. She's a tough one. He enjoys spending time or hanging out with his friends and family and traveling whenever he gets a chance. Welcome to the show, Avi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. And then John. John lives in Iola, Texas with his wife, Jacqueline, son, Camden, and daughter, Avery. He's an Army veteran. Thank you for serving our country, John. And plays poker like a donkey. (laughs) Also enjoys runnings strumming a guitar, and tinkering with most technologies. He's a high-functioning nerd that finds happiness, this is the best part right here, guys, farting in congested elevators. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the show, John. Welcome in, fellas. Thank you, thank you. So, guys, we, we asked you guys onto the show, really intrigued by you guys' book, because it aligns so perfectly with what Anthony and I started this show for, and um, so it's kind of a blessing that we have you guys here. So let's jump right into it. So the name of the book, Village Wisdom, let's get a little bit before that. How did you guys come together? Think of the idea. Walk me through some of that. Javier? Well, <laughs> this is a John question. He, <laughs> it was all his idea. So I'll let, I'll let him take this one. Yeah. So I, uh, man, this is, this could be a long story or a short story. So do you guys have a preference in which? Go for it, yeah. So uh, leading up to this book, um, I started 
I started writing a lot and, uh, and I was just kind of like journaling on my phone. Uh, and it got to a point, you know, I was doing a lot of research in like small business and like entrepreneurial type stuff. Like I, I knew that I didn't want to be like the nine to fiver working for a company that doesn't appreciate me at all, you know? And so I, I want to do my own thing. I want to be my own boss. I don't want to argue about, you know, semicolons or phone numbers in certain database fields. Like I'm so over that stuff. And so, uh, I started kind of coming up with ideas for like software as a service or, you know, other kind of like entrepreneurial type stuff. Um, and I'm, and I'm writing a ton. I was staying up super late, just writing a ton. Uh, and I was doing it all in Google Keep, which is like, uh, it's not like a made for note taking, you know, which I quickly found out because I found myself after like a couple of months, I was like, God, I feel like I'm repeating ideas. And so I'd like go back and read it. I couldn't even go back and read it. Like I just kept like, just running into like random notes and just wasn't organized at all. And I was like, man, this is like, I, I can't do this. I got to, I got to uh, find a better way. And so I started like, you know, I, I, before the show started, we kind of discussed like how, like I overanalyze a lot of stuff. And so, um, so I started overanalyzing, I was like, all right, how, how can I find a better way to write? And, uh, and so I settled on a blog and, you know, while I'm writing and while I'm kind of setting up this blog, I was like, you know, this would be really cool if I ever got to read my dad's blog, you know, like that'd be dope, you know, to be able to yeah. read their thoughts. I mean, it's stuff that I would never, you know, I would never ask my dad to read his diary or journal or whatever, you know, but I would love to know what's going on in that man's head. It's just crazy. Um, and so I thought about that and then instantly I was like, you know, my son's got to read this. You know, I, I have got to show my son what dad's thinking. And, uh, and so right there I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do this for a year. You know, I'm, I'm doing this. It's probably like 1 a.m. in the morning. My wife's passed out. You know, my cat's like walking on my forehead, you know? <laughs> like, That's when I do my best work. Yeah. Man, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I start coming up with this idea. Like, all right, I'm going to do it for a full year. That's 365 pages. You know, they might not be full pages. There might be a paragraph, a page or whatever. Um, I'm going to print this out for my son and my daughter. And it's not going to be expensive, you know, 30, 40 bucks or whatever. I'll go to this one. It's stupid you know, print out your own photo books or whatever. Uh, and I'll just put pictures of images on there or um, words. Um, so I started kind of kicking around that idea and I start writing. I get about halfway done that blog post. I'm like, all right, I'm going to write this for my kids. Like, you know, welcome to my blog. And by doing it publicly, you know, I kind of commit to it. Like if anybody sees it now, I got to keep going. Oh, you know, like I, now I can't quit. You know, I, homeboy's going to watch me for, <laughs> um, but, uh, and so I got about halfway done that blog and I was like, man, like being incredibly selfish right now, like uh, surely Javi would think the same way. Surely Casey, you know, our one other co-author, um, surely he would think the same way. And I started thinking more and more and more like, man, I know some really good dads that would want to do the same thing. And, uh, and so like I immediately, um, I texted Casey and Javi. And, uh, like literally, so I text Javi, I copy and paste that same text into Casey before I can even hit send to Casey, Javi responds like, dude, I'm in. I was like, oh yeah, like damn my dude, man. Yeah. And I was like, you, you didn't have to do it. I mean, I've asked you to do some stupid sh in the past, you know, yeah, <laughs> we had, yeah. but you're also like, I, I, I trust you enough to where like, if you didn't want to do it, you tell me like, no, I'm not doing that. Sh it's stupid. You know, I right, would. And so like, and, and like, if you told me no, like I, I would still write the 365 days, you know, but I just think I just, I couldn't help but think that I was being selfish by not sharing the idea with my people, you know? And so, uh, the minute that I saw Javi respond, yes, I was like, oh, oh, you know, like this is real. And so Casey immediately came, like I read Javi's response and I hear that I check my messages and Casey's in there. He's like, yeah, dude, like when do we start? like oh man this is this is it and so i started thinking about no that. pressure right yeah <laughs> but that's exactly what it was though and there there to this day there there hasn't been pressure um and really because like we did this for us and and not even for us we did this for our kids and for like our legacy but so that our kids can be better off you know and uh and so we started thinking of other dads and so uh i immediately went to steven as well because Steven's just an awesome guy, great dad, um, lives in Colorado. And then I was like, oh my God, like, how, how can I not do this? My dad's a writer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got to invite my dad. You know, my dad's written like three or four books, you know? Um, 
And so, so he was so that's Scott. Scott, yeah, okay. yeah. And so, uh, so we're already a leg up on that generational concept, but we'll touch that in a little bit. But uh, so my dad was in, and uh, uh, and then uh, I can't I can't remember. Oh, it was that weekend. That weekend, we Javi and Danny and the kids had like a baseball tournament or something, but they couldn't they couldn't come up to Dallas. Uh, but we went up to Dallas for the holidays. It was Christmas or a couple of days after Christmas. And we stayed at Nana and Papa's, Trent's. And, uh, which is my father-in-law. Oh okay. yeah. <clears throat> they stayed with them. Yeah. Oh wow. Without them. I mean, that's how close we are, you know, like, we, like we're just so closely knit. I mean, it's, it's, it's like Javi, we don't need you for this. <laughs> but just from neighbors, just from yeah. neighbors yeah. and 10 doors down. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. But, um, but yeah, so we went up there, we went with, for a run with him the next morning. And, uh, you know what, the thing that sold me was as we were running, we ran four, five miles. I don't remember what it was, but I saw him pick up trash as we were running. Like, damn, this guy, I mean, we already knew he was a stand up dude, but like this guy's solid. Yeah. I mean, who picks up trash mid run? It's ridiculous, but he does. That's the kind of person that I need involved in this whole project that we're doing. And so, uh, that, that following, you know, we got back Sunday, the following Monday, I spent half an hour on the phone with him and he's like, say no more. Like we're doing this. Poof. Started. Really cool. That is cool. Yeah. What an interesting story, man. I mean, it's just kind of the, the universe bringing, you know, some people call it the universe, people call it faith and yeah. destiny, whatever you want to call it, but just, you know. It's like, uh, it's speaking it into existence, but it's you know, manifesting, manifesting, you know? So tell me, so Javi, your your journey and all this, your perspective. Let's talk a little bit about village wisdom. What can we expect from from reading this book? You can expect a lot. I mean, there's going to be. Eating. I mean, we have, you know, authors that have been dads for forty plus years, and you, we have some that have been dads for, you know, four or five years. So you get a little bit of everything. You know, you get the, the actual wisdom from the older guys and then you get the, the newbie dads, you know, that are like, this is what I think I'm doing and I think it's right. And then, you know, you read the, the, the older guys and they're kind of doing the same thing. So, I mean, you're going to get a bunch of just wisdom and, you know, advice and some humor and, you know, some embarrassing stories here and there. But, I mean, you're going to get a little bit of everything and it's not the, you know, tell all, you know, book for dad like it's it's just advice to get you kind of going in the right direction and like i said there's there's advice for everyone in this book not not just dad so you get a little bit of everything i like that yeah yeah so for our listeners if anybody hasn't read the book yet i'm going to encourage you guys to go read it but there's there's a set of topics that that these guys these six authors have kind of come together we started with 30 prompts. So we did a okay. prompt a day. And it was almost like a New Year's resolution, right? It was like just the right time of year to be like, all right, we, we all owe each other one prompt a day. And it was like, you know, 500 to 750 words ish. Uh, we joke about it, but I really want to, you know, I'm the over over analytical dude. I want to do a word count and compare, like how much Javi wrote, how much I wrote, Casey wrote, you know, and yeah. see where we end up. <laughs> so when the royalties start kicking, he did twenty percent. I did it, right? Fair enough. Yeah. So just just how John alluded to, you know, there's thirty different topics, in anywhere between character, advice, health, um, what's childhood childhood look like. Um, a lot of different categories and these guys have different questions and they answer these six authors, their answers to each one of these questions and their, their advice, their acumen based off of that, um, those questions. You'd be surprised at, you know, the responses, the same question for all six authors, uh, but the responses just go in completely different direction, which is just remarkable. And I think that speaks to like the, the knowledge and the experience aspect of it. You know, not every dad's the same. There's no correct way to properly dad, you know? I mean, we all had different upbringings. Um, I'm sure we all have different thoughts about our fathers and our fathers all treated us a certain type of way. And we try to, you know, as dads, we try to treat our kids a certain type of way. 
and it's all unique, but it's, you know, none of it's, and this is the craziest part, not even, none of it is right. And none of it's wrong. You know, at least us. I mean, we're not in jail or beating our kids, you know, but I mean, like the way that we're raising it, the four of us sitting in this room, the way that we're raising our kids, it's not perfect, but it's not bad. You know, we're doing the right thing. And I think that's like, you know, there's so much going on, like social media and the news and, you know, talking to people and there's so much negativity in the world these, these days, man, you know, like, I think it's important to kind of fall back and just kind of take like a different perspective and just kind of look at yourself almost through the lens of like your own magnifying glass and just kind of, you know, understand where you're coming from and where you want to go, you know? And this is, I think, I mean, Javi, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, these prompts, so, and I've said this before, but we had 30 prompts. We knew that we were going to have 30 prompts going into it. I have a story about being like, I can't remember if it was three or four days in, but you know, I, I came home, uh, (laughs) I wrote one of the prompts while sitting on the toilet, hiding from my coworkers in the restroom at work, right? But I come home and man, I've had just an exhausting day, just meeting after meeting, just getting beat up all day. And so I come home, I lay on the couch and my son comes in, he's like, hey, you wanna go play Pokemon or you wanna see like whatever I build on Minecraft or Roblox or whatever. And in my mind, I haven't said anything to him yet. In my mind, I'm like, God, I just want to chill. Can I, can I just get 10 minutes one time, you know? Uh, but then like the thought hits, like, what am I doing? You know, I cannot write a book about fatherhood and say no to this kid all in the same day. Like I need to be a better dad. And so I got my butt up and, uh, you know, I, I went in there and checked out whatever crazy world he was, he was building, you know? And, so that literally, I mean, three days in, I was already being a better dad, you know, and, and, you know, it's not much, I wasn't curing cancer, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't teaching him a thing or two, but I was already being a better dad. Yeah. So it was, it was you were being present. Present. You know? Yeah. And any other that's time. of it. Yeah. And that's, that's a ton. You know, any other time I would have been like, Hey, beat it. You know, I, I just need to chill for 15 minutes till mom gets home, you know, but in that moment, and it's because of that book. Do you have any other, did you have any experiences like that where you noticed yourself being better? I mean, yeah, constantly. I mean, I'd sit there and write something and think, you know, this is what I think is a good dad or makes a good dad. And then I realized, man, I'm, I'm already doing these things. And cause you know, I've, I've said it before. Sometimes, you know, you don't feel like you're being a great dad, right? Cause like John said, you get home from work, you're tired, you're beat up. You just want to sit on the couch, right? All that kid wants to do is your attention. And so I'm sitting there writing this book and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is what I think needs to be done, blah, blah, blah. And I realized I'm doing it. So, you know, I, it, it kind of made me realize that I'm doing an okay job as a dad. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my duties, raising my, my daughter and, and son to be great human beings. And, you know, I'm, it made me realize that I was just doing my job, which was kind of cool. Cause I've no one ever, you know, no one ever comes up to you and be like, Hey man, you're doing right. a great job being a dad. Right. Keep, keep it up. Yeah. Right. Like that's just something that we have to figure out on our own. And this book helped me realize like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing okay. Like quit stressing about the little things that, that kid just wants to show you that yo-yo trick. And, and that's all he wants. We just got a yo-yo. I know. Jordan, Jordan told me, <laughs> Jordan told me. <laughs> He got one, and then he said, "Had to school him on a couple of things." I'm like, "Hey, man, we used to do this all day." Damn the dog! You show him that cradle, dude. I did a couple of things for Jordan, and he's like, "How'd you learn to do that?" I'm like, "Dude, yo- I was doing yo-yos before they were cool, right. man." You missed the YouTube reference. You gotta be like, oh, "I saw it on YouTube." <laughs> oh, right. I should have, but uh, yeah. I mean, that's that. That's what what made me writing and and you know, answering all these prompts, it made me realize that I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm doing my part in raising good human beings and, you know, that's it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really easy. I think for me, at least the person that I am is, I feel like an imposter a lot of the times. Yeah. You know, my role as a, as a professional, my role as a, as a, as a husband, as a father, like, man, like I am mismanaging all of this. I'm doing a terrible job and I can be very self-deprecating so to have a tool like that, to work through this process, mm-hmm. through writing, and to really figure out, like, man, you know, like, I'm, yeah. Yeah, you're doing I'm, it. Yeah. I'm Just good. be there for those kids, man. That's I'm telling you, that's all they care about. Yeah. And it's it's awesome to see them just be happy for you just being there. I mean, it, it really is a good feeling, knowing that your kids love you for you. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's deep. Um, you guys talked about your relationship with your fathers. Curious, just how you guys is, and you guys kind of touch on this a little bit in in the book. I know John, you do for sure. Um, can you, you guys kind of dive into that a little bit for us? Yeah, you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. I got I got a loaded response for this. Yeah. No, I mean, so my relationship with my dad has always been pretty good. Uh, in my a couple of responses, you know, I played tennis growing up. My dad coached me, you know, f- for a few years, and that time made it kind of hard because, you know, I'd go practice at school, and then I'd come home, and he'd want to practice some more, and then he'd get on to me because I'm, you know, I'm too tired, don't want to do this, don't want to do that, and he'd get on to me. So, you know, we had a couple of rough years just because I wanted my dad and not a tennis coach. Um, and so once we got o- over all that, I mean, we, you know, now that I'm older and he's older and, you know, he's not coaching me in tennis, we're okay, you know, cause I can call him and ask him about anything. He usually calls me, you know, once or twice a week just to check in on me. And I, I love it, you know, cause it, it could just be anything. And he's calling me just to say, see how I'm doing. But you know, my dad, he, he played a, a, a big role in my life. You know, that dude, stand up guy, um, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly now. And, you know, he's, he's just an awesome guy. And, and, you know, we get along now and have a good time. We're going on a fishing trip in a couple of weeks to, you know, to, uh, South Texas. So, I mean, we, we have a great relationship now. Great. Yeah. That's really cool. I, so, yeah. So I, you know, I grew up, um, as a son in a, a failed marriage, you know, like my, my parents divorced. And so I, I guess before I get too far into this response, I think it's important to acknowledge uh, the vulnerability, right? That like dads typically, like for the past 200 years, you know, like dads typically aren't super vulnerable, you know, like we're told like you can be like man up, you know, and I think- Sunk it up. Yeah. And I think you could still man up, but you could still talk about it. I mean, we talk about everything. I mean, the two of us will talk about anything. Mm. I mean, there is nothing off the table. Um, but I think that's important to be vulnerable and to acknowledge, you know, you're, you can't at the expense of sounding like I'm, you know, I, I watch cars too much, but you can't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been, you know? And I mean, that, that saying I'm sure is more popular or, you know, was founded outside of the movie Cars, that I probably watched 6,000 times with my <laughs> kids, you know? But, um, oh, my headphones keep on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think just being vulnerable is, is important. And so in being, you know, in keeping in line with that thought, I was pretty vulnerable when I talked about my relationship with my two dads in the book. And, you know, I talk about how I didn't have the best relationship with my stepfather Um, and I didn't really have like a great relationship with my dad either, you know, and, um, and really that's like, you know, it's gotten better over the years. My dad actually moved to Austin from, uh, the East coast, uh, recently, relatively recently within the past couple of years to be closer to the, to his grandkids, you know? So I thought that was really important. Um, but, uh, I say all that to say that, that me being that vulnerable in the writing, uh, you know, my mom came down, uh, to spend time with with the kids really, but (laughs) with me and my wife, my better half, we know that Uh, and I'm kidding, (laughs) get out of the way kids or what the grandkids are. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so of course, you know, um, I handed her a book and she, she went to town, you know, she immediately, uh, she's like, all right, bedtime. And she went in her room and started reading. And the next morning she walked out with a book in her hand and she said, Hey, we need to talk. Uh, and I knew exactly what she wanted to talk about, you know? And, uh, and so we went out to the front yard and we sat in a swing, a swinging chair and we proceeded to have the deepest conversation that I've ever had with my mother in 39 years. And so we talked about it. She was like, you know, I never knew that your friends and friends, parents called your stepdad Adolf, <laughs> you know, I mean, like. It was like, it was some, some deep stuff. And like, you know, that was kind of shallow. Um, and it was silly of me to mention, but it would be remiss of me not to. Um, but, uh, you know, we just didn't have that great of a relationship, but me being that vulnerable sparked that conversation months later with 
with my own mother that I never would have otherwise had. I, I would have never told my mom about, you know, my feelings toward her now husband, you know, and, um, and, and that leads me to think, and, and Hoppy and I've kind of chatted about this a bit too, but the book is about fatherhood, but I think it's less of a book about fatherhood and more of a tool for relationship enrichment. You know, I think the, the blank pages, and we haven't really mentioned this yet, but there's intentionally blank pages between chapters so that the reader can leave their own wisdom, you know, answer those prompts and then pass it down generationally to their kids. And so their kids can continually do it. So you can, you know, eventually end up with years uh, or generations of writing in the book. And not only that, not only just the thoughts, you know, you could, I could send an email to it, to an email that I create for my son. Now I'll give him the password and in years he can open it. It's not the same, you know, it's going to be the same sans serif font or whatever, you know, Arial, Helvetica, whatever it is. But to see, I mean, can you imagine popping open that book now and seeing your grandfather's writing there? Like, oh, yeah. That hits my soul, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's just remarkable. And so, uh, so I think there's a lot of relationship enrichment within this book. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And it's not what, what I intended or what, what we intend. I keep saying I, it's, it's well, you were the mastermind behind <laughs> where I just kind of wrote along. <laughs> this, this is a hundred percent we. And so, um, yeah, it's just crazy. It's, it's crazy how much it's grown from, uh, you know, a couple sentences and, and me realizing I was being selfish to what it's become today. It's remarkable. And it's been less than six months. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great content, and I mean, it's a. There's a lot of good information in there, just from you guys' perspective. But like you said, if you use the book in the way that it's intended, by writing your own responses to it, it's 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 that value add to your, family, oh yeah. right, and it's generational. It's something that kids, your grandkids, can, can all hold on to, and it's a legacy piece, right? Yeah, for sure, and like. Javi and I specifically, like, he's got his father-in-law, his, you know. Brother-in-law. Your brother-in-law, yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of family stuff already tied into it. I've got, you know, my stepdad, my best friends, my stuff. My, my kid, our kids are going to have a, le- a leg up, you know. Uh, in yeah, generation. Jordan's going to know my thoughts, his grandpa's thoughts, his uncle's thoughts, and John's pretty much an uncle to Jordan, so he's going to have, you know, four different views on the same question and it might be totally different each answer but he's going to get to know what we were all thinking at that time you know at that at our age you know 36 38 you know whatever and i think that's the really cool part same with camden he's going to have you know a bunch of everyone that he looks up to and he's going to have all our answers right there and then he's going to get to add his and jordan's going to get to add his and then they're going to pass it on to their kids and they're going to have so much wisdom and it's going to be so cool to get to see you know jordan finally hand that book to his kid or whatever it's going to be awesome do you guys remember walking out of the hospital with your kids in your arms and you're like what am i supposed to do i have no idea what i'm supposed to do right now scariest day of my life that's like you felt like a failure right like right off the bat it's the first time in your life that you have no idea what to do and it's the highest stakes you've ever been involved in I remember getting held uh, with the car seat, yeah. trying to get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a nurse in the back seat, like yep. securing it because I didn't do it well enough. I'm like, all right, are we good to go now? You guys are gonna trust me with this? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of decisions do you think you're gonna make at home? You know? <laughs> it's the hardest job that you'll ever have in in your life, and there's no interview. You know, it's crazy. No manual either. Well, this is this uh, this yeah. is a manual, yeah. and and our kids are um, man, they got they do have a head start, right? So now they've got like daddy cheat codes, if yeah. you will. But they st- I feel like uh, there's still room in there for them to be themselves too. You know what I mean? Because uh, just reading uh, some of Javi's stuff, I could see a lot of parallels between way he was brought up, way I was brought up, and then the way. I handle my son the way he handles his son right now too. To where I'm like, you know what? We have a lot. That's why I texted him. I said, man, we have a lot more in common than I ever knew. Mm-hmm. And just by reading, um, you know, your responses to the book, dude, I was like, hey, 
you know, we could probably hang out and, right. and, uh, and, and do the same stuff, man. So, um, I did appreciate that, you know, you're able to kind of learn more about somebody or somebody, even if you don't know them, you just learn, you're still going to learn about hobby in this, as a character in this book. Yeah. You know, it's still a story. Yeah. Now imagine if, you know, you had your dad's responses, you get to learn so much more about your dad. Cause I mean, there's so much that I don't know about my dad that I really don't want to ask, you know, I mean, he was an alcoholic and he quit drinking and, you know, I never heard the full story on why he quit drinking. But if he had this, you know, if he had something like this to kind of write his thoughts down, maybe I'd know why he quit drinking. But, you know, maybe that's something I ask him eventually, but it's just something that we don't talk about, you know? And so I think, I think, you know, if, if I had this book, I think it'd be interesting. And such, such a common thing for men, right? And I think we kind of talked about the beginning of the book, like, we just don't talk about stuff, man. And that's our society's way of saying, hey, man, you, you're a guy, you're a dude, you don't talk about your feelings, you're, you, you don't go vulnerable here. But what a great outlet to be able to give you that permission, which we, I mean, don't need the permission to be right. vulnerable, but what a great tool and a, and a segue to be able to do that, mm -hmm. right? So think about the dad that picks up this book that is an alcoholic, right? And figures out how to beat it, how to beat it. And then his son reads it years later as an alcoholic yeah. Yeah. and reads about how his dad beat it. You know, there's going to be, at some point, if this book does what I think it has the potential to do, this book could save somebody's life. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. That That is powerful, man. Because there there is such thing as generational curses. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Whether that's genetic, whether that's just mimicking what you saw as a kid. But this this is a way to get into dad's mind, understand him, and hopefully break that curse somewhere down the line right yeah yeah crazy you know uh man one thing i was thinking about when i was reading this too is that uh like you guys are saying like if you did have your dad's responses but uh, one thing i've noticed is this really just how old is your dad you know what i mean like my dad uh he's a great grandpa now man he's mid-70s and whenever he grew up it was hey go to school but actually, once you graduated high school, go to work. And he was the oldest of 11 kids. So his dad didn't teach college. His dad was like, hey, go to work and help provide for the family because you got a bunch of little kids trying to, you know, we're all trying to eat. And um, so, but whenever I was growing up, my mom was more of like, hey, go to college. You need to go to college. You need to go to college. And really, that's just the path that I ended up taking. So me and my dad would definitely have different stories on that. But one thing for sure that I know that is different for me and him is that back then they're like, Hey, there's no emotion. You're, you're the man, you're the man. Right. And so expression maybe wasn't the best of, you know, his strongest, uh, strengths, I guess, you know, his strengths. So for me, it's just a little different because I'm definitely different than him on it's on that sense where I'm more, uh, I express, um, you know, whatever I'm feeling or yeah. my emotions and that sort of thing to where I can see there's a totally difference. There's a disconnect there. And maybe it was because he was that way. John, you, you kind of have a theory on this that you kind of write in the book about we all have our experiences. We grew up in a different time. You know, our parents grew up in the 50s, 60s. We grew up in this very technological, we have information ready, AI, I mean, it can do everything for you. Can you touch a little bit more on just your theory on why maybe our, our parents' generation and their outlook on rearing and raising kids is probably just a little bit different than ours? I found it pretty interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I got it. We, we could talk all night about this. But, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of different theories out there. And, and not that, you know, I'll, I'll put my tinfoil hat on. That's <laughs> but, but, you know, I think a lot of it's, you know, I, I'm curious, you guys had 30 topics, right? Um, I don't want to give away every single topic because I want people to go out and buy the book, but I'm curious as to what was your favorite part to write about? And if you could just share a little bit of that wisdom with us. I'm going to let you take this one because okay. I got one too. But... Well, so I didn't have a one favorite talker, but you know what was, no, because I, I, I had so many. <laughs> You know, the ones just, just talking about my childhood, 
okay was was fun you know because then you start thinking about all the little jokes that you had with your sister or, or you know what you know a certain trip that you took with with your family then you start thinking about all that and it just you know it just makes you so happy to think about you know your childhood just being actually pretty fun you know you think about your, your mom or dad being kind of mean or whatever but then you start writing you know about well you know we took this one trip or you know uh just whatever, but just writing childhood memories, especially now with my little sister, you know, she's going through some, some cancer stuff. And so just writing all that stuff with about stories, uh, between us two. And then, you know, watching my two kids act the same way that we did when I was a kid with my sister is, it's just so much fun. And so any, any question that had to do with childhood or, you know, your upbringing was always fun to answer because I'm sure I had some, some pretty funny, crazy stories that, you know, were funny to me, but probably not to, to most people, but yeah, any childhood question was fun to answer. The nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. But I feel you with the childhood stuff. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that. Like reminiscing. Because, yeah, you totally, you forget about most of the things that, you know, because we're so wrapped up in our current life. You know, we got kids, we have jobs, we have sports, you know, we, everything. We're just busy people. But then to sit there, you know, I'd sit, I'd mostly write my prompts at night, you know, while I'm laying in bed, talking to Danny right before we go to bed. And I'd sit there and just, remember all the fun and crazy you know stories i have with you know my sister my parents whatever and so that that was actually pretty fun john what do you have so uh trent sent me a text message and said he loved uh the special chapters of the book and they're talking about how uh, how you, you know your kids are special you know and uh, and i'm really vulnerable in that story uh because not to give too much away with the book, but I, um, you know, I yelled at my son and I felt like absolute crap afterwards. You know, I felt like I failed and, uh, I yelled at him. It was early in the day. I had to go to work and, uh, and I, I couldn't, and to this day, I haven't forgiven myself. Like I, I was, I can't say on this podcast with how I feel, but I'll tell you deeply, like I was wrong. I was wrong and uh and I was super vulnerable in that and um and yeah Trent came back and said that hey I really appreciate how how open you were with that I hoped you learned your lesson <laughs> you know like 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 that that you a dad yeah, <laughs> yeah that is fatherly advice that's fatherly wisdom right there and yeah. man like that that and because he sent that that is my favorite post mm. I love the backstory behind that yeah, yeah. Well, guys, I, this has been an awesome conversation. Awesome. We talked about this prior to starting to recording that this is probably going to be something we're going to have you guys back because I think there's a wealth of knowledge. And I think that the, the brew of what we've got going on here, and um, I think that we can put together a lot of good content for, for guys to listen to and, and really just bring to light what, what it is to be a man, what it is to be a father. And just all those different responsibilities that we hold um, as guys, as dudes. And so I want to thank you guys for coming on the show, being with us. Appreciate y'all. But before you guys leave, can you guys just tell us, hey, where we can reach you guys at? Where can we get the book? We just want all that information so that way our listeners know where to go. Yeah. So um, we are uh, village-wisdom.com. And literally, I think our Instagram... (laughs) Is village dot wisdom, I think, <laughs> or maybe village dash. I think I think it's village dot wisdom. Uh, again, I'm not hip on Instagram, but uh, we're on Facebook. There's a page. Search for village wisdom. You'll see a picture of the book. Yeah, that has all the links to the socials. So just just check out the website, order a book, and then you know go to the socials. Absolutely. Well, dudes, go out there and check out this book. There's definitely a lot to be gained from it. Obviously, you can tell. From listening to our conversation here today, there's there's just a lot of great stuff. We'll have you guys back on the show, the show here soon, please. Awesome, I can have much love. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Well, dudes, that's it for our show this week. We hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as we did. A special shout out to John Christensen and Javi Contreras for joining us in the bakery this week to discuss their book, Village Wisdom. We've got a link in our show notes where you guys can get a special shout out or if there's just any topics that you would like for us to discuss in the future, reach out to us. You can also reach us on social media at Donuts with Dudes. But until then, 
Take care of yourself, and we'll see you guys next week.